So interest rates, these are a fundamental block in how our economy functions. And whether you like it or not, you, me, everybody watching this video, everybody out there is in some way, shape or form impacted by interest rates. And especially with all the news headlines we've been seeing about rates going up, actually Bank of Canada is set to announce next week what their plans are for the interest rate here in Canada. I figured today would be a really good time to do a lesson on the ins and outs of interest rates, how they impact us as investors, how they impact us as consumers, and more or less how they impact and affect the economy. I wanna start this video off today by just making sure that we're on the same page here. Let's agree that money is not free. I really, really wish it was, but in our system, in our world, money is not free and there's a cost to money. And I'll give you an example. If somebody came to me and said, Brandon, can I borrow $10,000? Like I really, really need it. For whatever reason, I'm not gonna ask why, but someone comes to me and says, can I borrow $10,000 of your hard-earned money? Depending on who this person is and depending on maybe how nice I'm feeling that day or if I even have the capital to do so, but I have the option of lending this person my money, right? I can say here, take the $10,000, you go use it, you give it back to me in a year's time, but I'm probably not going to do that for free. In fact, in this case, I'd probably look at the person and say, here, take my money. I'm going to charge you 2% interest. Let's just say, I'm gonna charge you 2% for borrowing my money. You go use it, you pay me back the 10,000 plus 2% on top. Now, vice versa, let's assume that I'm in a position where I need to borrow some money, right? I have this new business idea. I need to take out a small business loan, let's say $50,000. Well, I can very easily go and approach TD Bank or Royal Bank or whatever the lending institution is and say, please let me borrow $50,000 for a few years. And they will happily lend me the money and they're gonna charge me an interest rate on top. Let's say a 4% interest rate, a 5% interest rate. These are obviously just hypothetical examples. Nevertheless, the definition for when we think of interest rates, in my opinion, the best way to look at this is it is the cost of borrowing money. The cost, the interest, it's what we pay when we are borrowing and also on the flip side, what we receive if we are in a lending position. And we see this everywhere throughout our economy. Maybe you don't want a small business loan, but you will encounter times in your life where maybe you wanna go take out a mortgage. You wanna go out and buy your first home. Well, this is probably one of the biggest purchases you're ever gonna make in your life. And in this case, we are going to be taking out a sizable loan and borrowing money from the bank. They're gonna charge us an interest rate. Maybe we're in the market for a new Honda Civic. And in this case, we would be borrowing money. We'd be taking out a car loan and we'd be paying interest on that money. God forbid, maybe you're somebody that wants to take out student loans and take on a bunch of debt to go pay for uh, education. Oh gosh, there are interest rates attached to that as well. Whenever we are borrowing money, there is going to be a cost of that. Now, important to understand about interest rates too, is that when we put money into a savings account or a savings vehicle, I know a lot of people think that the bank is just uh, a place to stash your money and it's just a great spot and it is, don't get me wrong. But when we are putting money into a savings account, what we are technically doing is we are lending that money to the bank. We don't have to put our money at TD. We don't have to put our money at Royal Bank or CIBC. We could just stash that under the mattress or go spend it or whatever we want. But by putting money into a savings account, we are actually earning interest. We are lending money to the bank. They're taking that money and then redeploying it out as mortgages, car loans, other various types of loans. But we earn interest when we put money in our savings account. Another obvious example is when we go out and buy a fixed income like product or a debt style asset such as a bond. If we're going out and buying a government of Canada bond or a municipality bond or a corporate bond for that matter, what we are doing is we are lending our money, we're receiving an interest rate in return. Now, when we're in an environment like we are today where interest rates are going up, 
what exactly does that mean for us as consumers? Well, this should be pretty simple, actually. If we understand that interest rates are the cost of borrowing money, when interest rates rise, what that means for us is that it is now more expensive for us to go out and take on a mortgage or to take on a car loan. We are essentially paying more for the debt. The cost of borrowing has gone up. On the contrary, however, one of the benefits of rising interest rates and a higher interest rate environment is that in our savings accounts, which right now we know are absolutely pitiful, how little we're making on those you know, savings accounts, even a high interest savings account. Well, as interest rates are getting higher and higher, we in theory should be earning more money in those savings accounts. We should be earning a higher return on our debt-like investments, such as bonds, GICs, etc. And I wanna take it back actually to a little history lesson here. This I find very fascinating. If we went back to the time of eight, 1984, this is a chart on the screen that you're looking at that talks about a CD. A CD, I believe, is just the American term, or it's an American vehicle, which is very similar to a savings type uh, vehicle, like a GIC or some sort of deposit that you're putting in the bank. Let's just call this a savings account for simplicity purposes. It's basically that. In 1984, a five-year CD was paying you 11.78% in interest. Let that sink in for a second. Essentially, a risk-free return that was outpacing the average return of the stock market. The S&P has averaged somewhere between seven to 8% going back as far as we look. You could go put your money into a savings account, a savings vehicle, buy a CD, and you'd be earning 12% interest. Just like that, risk-free. To me, it's really funny. People always say millennials are so entitled, right? Oh, millennials have it so easy, right? Oh, that's what the baby boomers are saying about us. Hey, let's flip the script. I wish I could go to a time and just put my money in a savings account and earn 12% risk-free interest. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, we do have to be honest here because as, as nice as that is, we do also have to realize on the flip side, if we did look at an average statistic for mortgages back in that day and age, the average mortgage was running for 11 to 13%. So you weren't locking in those two, three, 4% fixed rates that a lot of us have been locking in over the past number of years. So it's a double-edged sword, right? There's a saying out there that a rising tide lifts all boats. And I think when it comes to interest rates, that's a very good way to look at it, right? When interest rates are going up or down, that impacts everything for the greater good. They do essentially move in tandem with each other. But nevertheless, I always find it fascinating to look back on statistics like that. Now, where we stand today, I want to share with you guys a couple of good resources, at least ones that I use to understand in 2022, going into 2023 soon, how do we stay on top of this stuff with the mortgage, uh, excuse me, with the interest rates? If we're looking for data on the Canadian side, the Bank of Canada website is probably the place to go. In fact, you look here smack dab in the middle of their website, we see here the policy interest rate. We're gonna talk about this in just a second, but let's just consider this the general interest rate we see here sitting at two and a half percent. Over on the south side, if we were to go look at the states, I always use this source, it's called FRED. I'm not entirely sure what uh, FRED stands for, if there's a guy named FRED or if that stands for something, um, it probably stands for something more than just Fred, but this obviously is another great resource. This will give us some indication of how interest rates are looking over on the American side. Now let's get a little more technical and talk about just exactly how these interest rates are set. And how this works is that the central banks, so the central banks would be something like the Fed down in the United States, here in Canada, the Bank of Canada. But one of the things that they do is they set what is called the overnight rate. In Canada, this is also known as the policy rate. And this is kind of like the standard, it's the baseline that all of the other rates that we would ultimately end up paying 
are kind of based off of. What we need to understand about our financial system here in North America is that it is a crazy flow of money. Like there are literally millions and millions of dollars each and every day that are exchanged between financial institutions. There's money being deposited and withdrawal. It's flowing all over the place. And what happens is that at the end of the day, some banks will end up with more money than others. That's just how it works. There's a surplus, uh, a deficit, if you will. I don't know if deficit's the right word, but the money will kind of be here, there, and everywhere. Essentially, what these major financial institutions will do is they kind of have an agreement. It's like a pact, really. It's just how things work, that they will happily borrow and lend money amongst each other just to make sure that they're able to settle up at the end of the day, that they're able to meet their liquidity requirements. They do these very short-term loans, basically borrowing and lending money amongst each other on a one-day basis basis, or we could look at it overnight, hence the term, the overnight rate. This is where it gets fascinating and a little more complex, but the central banks essentially set a band for the overnight rate. There's their target rate, which would obviously be in the middle of the band, in this case, 2.5%, with a 25 basis point spread above and a 25 basis point spread below, equaling up to half a percent. And why this band is so important is it ensures to the big financial institutions that when they're lending and borrowing amongst each other, they know the cheapest rate that they're gonna get. And this overnight rate really sets the tone. It sets the cost of borrowing amongst these big financial institutions. As the overnight rate increases, although still within a band, it does get more expensive for these banks to deal amongst each other. And from there, the other types of interest that we would encounter as consumers they're all essentially based off of this overnight rate. You'd have the prime rate, and then for your mortgage, for example, prime plus one, prime minus one, it's all based on that overnight rate. Now, why do central banks change the overnight rate? What is really the point or objective? In particular, we can talk about this and how this impacts inflation, which by the way, I've done an entire video on inflation. If you haven't seen that, and you wanna check that video out, I'll link it up at the top. When interest rates are set to be low, like they have been over the past number of years and really going back, let's say a decade plus, what that does is it actually encourages spending. It encourages consumers to go out and be more active in the economy. We could look at it like it spurs economic activity. And let's just think about that logically. When it is cheap to go out and borrow money, it's cheap to take on debt, you are gonna be far more inclined to go out and purchase that first home. Let's assume you were in that market for that first Honda Civic and you can pay a very low interest rate. Well, you're gonna be far more inclined and far more enticed to go out and do so. On a bigger scale, looking past just consumers, where I think really the biggest impact comes is when we think about businesses and corporations, let's take a development company or a construction company, whatever they're called, who's gonna go build a multi-million dollar facility. These projects are very, very costly. And if they can borrow money at a low cost, they will be far more incentivized to do so. Well, what happens is that there's actually this ripple or trickle down or a ripple effect in the economy because when companies are spending and borrowing, that leads to more jobs, that leads to more demand for all these various raw materials and raw goods, ultimately the lower interest rates lead to more economic activity. On the contrary, when interest rates are high, this actually discourages, it prevents, it kind of slows down the economic activity. Another important thing to remember here is that because interest rates are higher, the amount of interest that we earn in our savings accounts are also increasing, thus encouraging consumers to actually save and hoard money rather than go out and spend it in our economy. With all that said, depending on where we stand in our economic cycle, this can also be known as the business cycle, this little chart that I have here, I'm sure you've seen something like this. We go through periods of expansion, we hit a peak, we start to contract as an economy, we hit a trough, 
we recover, we expand, and we do it all over again. Depending on where the central banks and economists feel that we are, and there are many indicators such as inflation being a key one, but also things like the labor market, when they feel that we are nearing a peak or around this type of area here, it's very common that the central banks will adjust the overnight rate, essentially increasing rates to help slow and cool down our economy. When the economy needs a little kick in the butt and we're going through a slumping or sluggish economic time, this is where we'll see the overnight rate or the policy rate being decreased. In fact, if we were to look back over some data, over the past two or three decades, we've seen that these drops in the interest rate correlate almost entirely with our two most recent recessions. That of course being the dot-com recession back in the 2000s, as well as the financial crisis, we see a sharp drop off in interest rates, again, looking to kick up and spur the economy. If we were to even take this back further, again, looking at a FRED resource here, we see that going back to 1955, that during almost every recession, in fact, every recession here that's represented in gray, we see interest rates come down. And that's how the central banks use these to manipulate the economy. Now, in today's environment, we are in a very unique situation because we've seen inflation running very, very rampant, rampant far above the one to 3% target or band that we aim to keep inflation within. Thus, the central banks have been essentially forced, they have to play their cards in manipulating the interest rates, raising interest rates to try and get inflation back under control. In this case, the increases to the rates have actually come prior to a recession, possibly actually putting us into a mild or maybe more severe recession. Clearly the stock market thinks of that. If we look at the performance over the past year, just for some up-to-date data, the current policy rate in Canada sits at 2.5%. The long-term average going back to 1990 sits at around 6%, which may indicate that there's more room for these to increase. In summary, however, and to wrap up today's video, what should we expect with rates going forward? Well, like I said, we do have an announcement coming up next week or maybe this week, depending on when you're watching this video, but I wish I knew a good answer to tell you guys. In all honesty, predicting and estimating what's gonna happen with the interest rates in our economy, that's something that's well above my pay grade. And I think it's foolish for the average person out there to think that they have a sense and a grasp on what's happening. There are so many moving pieces and so many factors that come in on the economic side to what they decide to do with these rates. What I think we can agree upon and come to expect is that interest rates do need to move up higher to more of a normal range Again, looking at the inflation numbers, a big indicator of this will be whether we can get this back down to normal levels. The point of this video is not to leave with a prediction on what exactly is going to happen, but more or less educate ourselves and to be aware of when we see the headlines of rates going up or rates going down, what is the thought process behind that? And if you guys did enjoy this video, if you did learn something new, I would really appreciate it by giving this video a big thumbs up. That really does help. If you enjoy these more types of educational videos, I would highly encourage you watch my video on inflation, which I've done as well a little while back. These two honestly go hand in hand. If you're not subscribed to the channel, take a moment and subscribe. Make sure you hit the notification bell as always. And of course, if you like learning about the stock market, you want to increase your financial literacy and ultimately become a better investor in the modern day, check out the Investing Academy. That is our program where we are working with people all across the country, teaching them how to invest DIY style. We cover topics like this and so much more. That is that first link down below. We'd love for you to check that out. But as always, I thank you guys for watching. I hope you enjoyed and I'll see you in the next video.